Gentlemen, start your engines. This is going to be a mighty emotional occasion for a lot of people, not the least of whom is myself. In a race to remember. But this is absolutely gobsmacking. Yeah, he hasn't even hit the brake yet. It's gone crazy at the top of the hill. What an off-the-scale car race. G'day, I'm Dan Hollihan. Welcome to my motorsports podcast, On the Couch with Hawley. Brought to you by Sweet Black, creating success with people. Today, I'm joined by Ron Goodman, former NASCAR driver and the owner and driving force behind Exclusive Body Works in Sydney, where he works with some of the most prestigious cars. Let's get into it. And welcome to the podcast, Ron. Welcome to On the Couch with Hooli. I'm pretty sure you're pretty wrapped with the set. You were saying off air that it looks pretty cool. I'm really grateful that you're here. Hey, grateful. I'm humbled that you asked me. Um and yeah, it's a fantastic setup here. And I actually was amazed. I listened to your um, podcast today, and mate, take my hat off to you. You're doing a fantastic bloody job. Thanks for that. I want to get to know though on this podcast the real Ron Goodman. Obviously, you've had lots of media around. You've been on TV, you know, newspapers and stuff like that. But I want to know about the real Ron Goodman, how he grew up, and where you got to today. You know, you're obviously owning now Exclusive Body Works, but you know, we take it back so many years to where you started and where you got to. So you know, as a as a kid, how'd you grow up? But as a kid, I remember uh, we'd play football on the weekends yep. and I couldn't wait to get back home, have a shower and get up to Liverpool Speedway. And I'd spend the night at Liverpool Speedway just watching the cars go round and round and round and thought to myself, I've got to do that one day. And lo and behold, I'd end up doing it. From there, we moved on to NASCAR. And when NASCAR faltered in Australia, we went to the vintage racing, yep. which opened up so many doors for us worldwide. You know, like It allowed us to race at so many events worldwide. And we've been fortunate enough to be fast. So yep. we get invited back and we piss off a lot of the Yanks, trust me. There's a lot of them that don't like it. And <laughs> the, actually, the last race that we done in America pre-COVID, we actually beat um, Patrick Long, who's the Porsche factory driver. And he just happened to be driving the speedster that's owned by the boss of Disneyland. So he can't blame the car not having enough power or money behind it. Yeah, so <laughs> we we're pretty wrapped to do that. Well, yeah. Over there, obviously, like we've got a lot of like wealthy people owning the, the historic cars here, as, as you've just said, and as I know as myself. But over there, wasn't there a guy that also owned a car that was owned by Walmart or one of the guys as well? The guy that yeah, owns was, Walmart. The guy that, yeah, the guy that owns Walmart, doesn't he own a Ferrari that he raced against you or something like that? I heard a, a couple story. of times, yeah. yeah, and yeah. Mate, finish behind me every time. Yeah, that's good. But even one time we were uh, on the start-finish line and, and one of his, or his Ferrari, decided to leak on the fuel tank. Uh, Gary explained it, showed it to their guys that it was leaking. So we watched them push the car away and we thought, oh, well, that's one less competitor. No, he just drags another one out, you know, as you do, you know, like $70 million car and let's just drag another one out, you know, like, it's just, it's, the money behind the people over there just leaves, it's, we pale into insignificance, you know, like, you know, we take our car over there and we're a pauper, you know, like, uh, literally a pauper compared to a lot of them. Over there, obviously, we're going, we're going way ahead of time at the moment, but over there during your time in America, did they have heat races to eliminate cars to get to a final or was it just, you know, at random draw? No, if there's 45, 50 cars selected for the race, 45, 50 cars run the whole weekend. They do most of their selecting beforehand. Yeah, they may get three to 400 entries for one class. They pick them on, obviously, past performance. Mm-hmm. But when you race on the East Coast, like when you start doing Watkins Glen, which we can touch on with uh, Jeff, yep. Jeff Morgan yeah. come over there with us a couple of times. <laughs> I want to know plenty about my stepdad. I'm pretty sure we'll, you'll hear this on the podcast. So let's get into Jeff a bit later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
he might not like what I tell him. But <laughs> oh, well, it's my podcast, not his. <laughs> no, but they, they over on the East Coast, you have to qualify and race. Yep. Um, but it's not very often that you don't make the race. Okay. Uh, it's, it's not as cutthroat as some other stuff because it's chicken and champagne racing, really. Yeah, we okay. We call it the historic racing. Cool. Um, so I want to know, you just said, you know, you originally started with um, Liverpool Speedway. Correct. When you were growing up there, how was the way to get to the Speedway for you as a child? Because, you know, for me growing up as a kid, I went to Eastern Creek to watch the supercars, right? And then my dad would just buy me a ticket and I'd sit on the hill. For your experiences going to your first racetrack at Liverpool Speedway, did you sneak through the fences or anything like that? Or have any cool stories with a bunch of mates as kids? Were you watching us, were you? <laughs> um, we, we were kids growing up in the western suburbs. Like we, I grew up in Green Valley. Yep. So to have money to buy tickets to go up to the speedway, that just weren't going to happen. So we'd always find a uh, little hole in the fence somewhere and slide in underneath it and we're at the speedway for the night, you know. Yeah, right. We'd even get down to looking at the pictures and we'd, well, we want one of them pictures, you know, like, yeah. whoops, that fell off the wall, let's take that one with us, you know. <laughs> but no, we, we, we used to adore the speedway every weekend. We, we'd love going there watching it. And it was one thing that I always wanted to race at yep. the speedway. And I'll never forget the day a, a HK Monaro. Yeah, that's right. A HK Monaro come up cheap, so yep. I bought it. We gutted it out, put yep. a, build our own roll cage in it. And looking back now, if I was to build that roll cage in one of our race cars today, A, if I ever hit the wall, I wouldn't be coming out. Yep. And B, it was made out of like pipe, like literally water pipe, not any <laughs> chromoly. We just got water pipe, welded it together, and that was it. You know? Yeah, all right. You just hope you didn't hit the wall. And just no, it. I hit the wall a few times. It, it stuck in there. But I never forget the very, very first night that we went up there and um, my wife, or she wasn't my wife at the time, her brother said, I want you to roll the car down the straight. I said, that's a nice thing to say, you know, on my first time racing. And guess what I done? We rolled the car down the straight. So we got some really good pictures of it sitting on its roof. Yep. And I was more worried the old stock cars back then was Biff and Barge all your way through it. Mm-hmm. And it days of thunder. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but not at that sort of speed. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine Biffin and Barge in a HK Monaro this day and age around the, <laughs> the speedway. But my car was pretty well presented, yep. as I liked it to be. And I can still remember to this day, like every time I get a hit or a slide, it was like, do do <laughs> there goes another video, like literally like Days of Thunder, I suppose. <laughs> Obviously now you're a panel beater, but were you panel beating back then at a young age, learning about the craft? Correct, yeah. yeah. And I'll never forget um, the first time that I could actually afford to um, buy a drum of thinners and mm-hmm. pay for it. You know, I didn't want to use the thinners. Like Instead of using a, a four litre, I ended up buying a 20 litre. Yeah. And I thought to myself, I don't want to waste that. You know, I've just yeah. paid for that. I don't <laughs> want to waste it, but... But yeah, like back in the old days, man, it was it was pretty hard. Like I suppose, like every racer, yeah, you know, like they um, try and get past with whatever they can, and that's what we had to do. Yeah, cool. So um, yeah, you were talking about your NASCAR time in NASCAR. Obviously, it did go bust, and Bob Jane, and you know, the whole thing just happened to fall apart. I'm a huge NASCAR fan. You even helped me when I went to go over there, you know, to have a look at it. Can you tell me about your time at Calder Park and the Thunderdome, and just your experience? Like I've seen a lot of time online. There was one bit of footage that I clearly remember where you actually hit the wall and the car was banging flames. Before that, do you remember the time of getting into NASCAR, what you had to do and how it happened until it finished? Yeah, unfortunately, that crash is my only claim to fame in NASCAR. You, know, like, <laughs> you just said it then too. It's the only thing that people remember me about. But no, we done the Gold Coast, we done uh, Adelaide and Thunderdome. Yep. If NASCAR was to start up again, even though I'm getting old now, I'd still get back into it. Like yep. To me, that is the ultimate type of racing. We had some fantastic races 
down yep. at the Thunderdome. Awesome races in Adelaide. It was a, a small half mile bang track. Yeah, uh, we used to do good there because that was like my speedway days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we just couldn't keep up to like the John Sydneys and the Max Dumsies and that with the mm. Valvoline cars. They just had a lot more power, a lot more money behind them than we did. We we had West Coast Wine Cooler there for a year, but um, we just didn't have the funding to be able to be at the front of the pack. You know, we did you do the whole season on limited funding though? Or Absolutely. Did you, okay, so you did the whole, yeah. on a white car pretty much just with a bit of stickers on it. No, we had no? the whole thing done up in West Coast Wine Cooler livery. Uh, our first run was actually was a place called uh, Ataj Jewelry. Okay. They gave us, I think it was ten grand, and we gave them the whole car. Yeah, you know, just to to get down there racing. Like I suppose back in those days, like you do whatever you had to do to get to the track, and like everyone else, yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, so yeah, so you you were racing with John Sydney and the Max Dumsies and stuff. Who were the guys that you were like idolizing to get the front? You said Max Dumsey. Who was the other few guys? I think there was George. There was. Yeah, George. Other... George was a good mate of mine. Yep. You know, I, I knew George for a long time. Yep. Even Gricey, he was pretty good. Um, we had um, Kevin Swans come out and have a go at it, yep. and he was behind us. Thank Christ. Yeah. <laughs> um, was there any rivals back then though? Was like were you just like a pack of like a circus like they are in supercars now and just races mates? Was there no Biff and Barge between no, any was of the drives that you remember? There was definitely Biff and Barge. Okay, you know, and that was probably the um, forerunner on some of that as well. You know, like everybody wanted to win. Yep. Yeah, everybody out there wanted to win. You can say that for sure. So obviously when there's a bit of wanting to win, if you need to uh, upset somebody else's wing or you need to give them a bit of a push, you're going to do it. You, know? you also took some people on ride days. How was it being back then? Obviously NASCAR was very new to Australia, right? So for you, you got to take some people on, around, you know, the NASCAR scene and even some girls and stuff like that. And yeah, how was seeing their experience of you driving that car at that type of speed for you as a driver seeing, you know, a customer witness it? Well, we'd be taking them. I had a business called Ride of a Lifetime where I had a car set up yep. with a two-seater. And what you'd do is that you'd put on a bit of showmanship because you'd know yourself, like, when you're racing, you're going at 11 or 10 tenths. Yep. But when you're taking someone for a ride, you're only doing seven tenths and they don't know that you're doing seven tenths. Yeah. So we used to come through the corners, let it slide a bit, and one on morning times you'd put your hand up so the sun wouldn't be in your eyes and <laughs> that sort of stuff. So it's sort of stuff where they'd be going, oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. But the best story with that one ever was um, – my wife come down, Christine, and her friend mm. to go for a ride in it. And I took a friend around, and what I'd tell them, if it's going too fast, just tap me on the leg and I'll slow down a bit, you know? Yeah. Anyway, I went around, and she wasn't saying it went faster. She wasn't saying it went faster. Yeah. So I ended up going flat out. When she came in, she was shitting herself, but she didn't want to say, uh, she said to Christine, I wasn't game to touch him in case it <laughs> went wrong. <laughs> you know? And then I took Christine out, and Christine knew that we'd always be talking about doing 150 mile an hour in the car. Yep. So she's in the car, and we go first, second, third, fourth, and then I get a tap on the leg. Go down to third, get another tap on the leg, go down to second, (laughs) another tap on the leg, and around the the track. (laughs) She was looking at the fuel gauge, as the um, temperature gauge on 150. She thought we were doing 150 mile an hour. (laughs) So she didn't want to go so fast, you know. Oh, crazy times. Um, so, yeah, for you, you were doing the NASCAR thing. Uh, and we, we just touched on my stepfather, Jeff. You obviously helped him with, I think, one of his early paint shims was a bright pink Porsche. Correct, yeah, the Purator so, car, yeah. Yeah, so back then, um, you obviously were doing your NASCAR thing. Were you helping panel beat and paint race cars back then as well? Like, yes. how did that happen? I've always been involved in repairing race cars, and we've got a down, pretty down pack that yeah, we get some big hits in and we bring the car back, and yep. then they're back out on track and they're faster. Yep. With your with Jeff's car, 
mm. the Pura later one. He bought a stunning car to start with, but he wanted something different. So he put the RSR body on it, and then we painted it in fluoro pink squares and white. So everyone knew where Jeff was on the track. <laughs> I remember growing up as a kid and seeing his model cars of every year, as you yeah. know. Yeah. And I, that was my favourite model car as a kid, seeing that bright pink and white car. Yeah. I was like, geez, if you could get that back, Jeff, that would be awesome. Yeah, you've done some amazing paint schemes. I want to know a bit more about your exclusive bodyworks. I started out, well, I got out of racing because we just couldn't make enough money to live, you know, so yep. I had to go and get a real job. So I started up that with the forethought of just doing a few cars here and there and fixing them up as we go along. And then Porsche approached me and said, hey, we're going to be looking for a repairer. So I said, okay, then well, let's go again. And off went the roller coaster, you know, like, yep. and we haven't looked back since then. You know, we, we do Porsche, we do McLaren, Rolls-Royce, Aston Martin. We're factory approved for all those cars, and we also do the Teslas now as well. So, yeah, right. How'd the Tesla thing come about? That's that's a bit different, you know. Obviously, you work, you like your V8s and your big heavy heavy cars. How'd the Tesla thing? Did that just? Did you approach them, or did they approach no, you? No, they they approached us, and because we were doing the Aston Martins, and one of the head techs from Aston Martin went to Tesla. Yep. He rung us up and he said, are you coming to SEMA this year? And I said, yeah, yeah. He said, we'll catch up. I've got something to talk to you about. And then they plotted the whole thing about Tesla coming to Australia. And I said, yeah, come in. Yeah, right. Cool. Yeah, it's been pretty good. Yeah, sweet. So tell me a bit more a bit about your trips to America. You've obviously done the movie, which we can either get on now or later. But um, you've gone back and forth to America and you've got a big connection there. You've been on TV shows and all that type of stuff. Would you ever think of living there or having an extra shop over there just to create a bit of business? Or we just want to stay in Sydney and they bring cars here? I'm staying here now, but at one stage we did look at starting up a business in um, Hollywood. Yep. I think it was more um, self-indulgence more than anything else. Like when you sat back and looked at it and you think, by the time I fly over there and do the stuff over there, this one could falter or then I'd have to be back here because I'm pretty hands-on with everything that I do. Mm. So I couldn't leave it for somebody else to run. Yeah. It come to, we looked at premises, we looked at everything. Now, right. uh, no, do I really want to do this? And, or is you, and, and my ego is going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it's Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I just wanted a card, the one that said Hollywood. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it was in Beverly Hills too, the place we oh, looked at. So, so you would have been very, very close to biting the you know, the golden apple. <laughs> yeah, we, we've nearly done it, but I'm glad we didn't, mate. Like, I'm Australian and we like everything here. And I, I think that either one would have faulted, either that end of town would have faulted or this one would have faulted. When one collapsed, the other one would as well. So yeah. I just stuck to what I so, know. So you here. just want to keep a prestige. Correct, yeah. Cool. It's more uh, boutique, I call it. Yeah, boutique, so, which is yeah. true because yeah. in the back of your shop, you've actually got literally a museum piece of all your race cars. Is it in the back of your shop or is it somewhere else? It's... Across the road to the back of my shop, okay. we bought a place over there, and um, yeah, we've got a few of my old cars. That we, we've been trying to track down the old NASCAR to put in there, but yeah. we just haven't been able to find it. <laughs> it's probably <laughs> rusted up or in a box or something now. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, we got we got a fair bit of memorabilia in there. We've got a lot of stuff in there. So cool. Can you people. go through? Can you go through the cars if you can remember them all? We well, starts with the Porsche Tractor. Yep. Then we've got the uh, Cushman. Yep. A 1948 Cushman, and then we've got the 1942 COE Transporter, then there's the Kluber Wagon, then the new edition, the 69 Formula Ford, yep. the Aero Car, GT3 Cup Car, yep. 54 Corvette, 66 Mustang, 66 906, 356 Roadster, 356 Pre-A, 944 S2, 
and I think that's about the line now. <laughs> I think, I think. <laughs> we'll have to do a YouTube version and actually go through your shop, and you can yeah. you can obviously show the, the listeners here what you what you're talking about. But um, I talk to a lot of these guests about what's their favourite top three cars. So you've obviously got a warehouse full of them. What's your your top three? Porsche, 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 Porsche. But what yeah. exact Porsche and what what one? <laughs> The 906, 917, and I'd love to get hold of a 935. Yep. Uh, I was only talking with Rusty French the other day about one, but yep. we'll see what happens there. Yeah. How's your relationship with Rusty French? Because I know Rusty French also has a pretty fancy garage. I've been down there before, and it's... Mate, <laughs> fancy garage, had the word for it. You know, like, <laughs> as I said before about being in America feeling like a pauper, go to his garage, you feel like a pauper. <laughs> what? Can you update on me and his garage? Because the last time I was there, he had a few supercars and a few Porsches, but he was just building it. What's happened since then? Has it Mate, changed or what's going on? He's, he's just about finished it all, and, and it's stunning. It's as good, if not better, than any Americans ones that I've been into, and he's got some very, very, very nice cars here. Have you ever thought of like investing in a race team like what he's done or investing in a driver, or if that's just not really appealed to you? No, I enjoy the driving myself. Yep. Um, out at Ludnam Raceway, we do a lot of testing and that out there. Mm-hmm. So we do a bit of um, nurturing with the young kids that go out there. We give them a hand with anything yep. that they're doing. We've, I uh, can't remember the young driver's name, would have been about 12, 14 years ago. Mm-hmm. You could tell that his car was a bit of a shitbox. So I said, mate, rip the body off it, bring it down, we'll paint it. We've yeah. done that for him, you know. Like, <laughs> I don't know if he crashed it again after it, but just <laughs> to give him a bit <laughs> of a learn, Got to learn some way. Yeah. Yeah, you've got obviously a bit of an affiliation with London and Raceway. Yes. You do a fair bit of testing there. Um, you obviously do a bit of few drive days, um, yes. you know, promote your business. What's happened since they built that track and do, how do you help promote their business and vice versa? How's the B2B going? A lot of it on social media. Yep. And But I do all their um, drive days for the children's hospital. Yep. And we also do it with um, Lifeline, that sort of stuff. Yeah, cool. I like to do all the behind-the-scenes type of stuff. Like, we organise all the rides, we organise all the funds for them, and we put the day on. You know, we, we put the food on, we put the um, cars, people mm-hmm. driving them around. What happens is that people pay to go for the rides with me. Yep. And we give them a really good ride around there. Yeah. But the money goes to charity. It goes to the Children's Hospital or to the Lifeline. Yeah, right. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so obviously we've, you've talked about Lunderman. Is that your first – we're going back to your garage for a second because I love cars, as you know. The Formula Ford takes me fancy because you know that I race Formula yep. Ford. When did that happen and did that happen over COVID or what happened then? It happened over COVID with me being bored. Yeah. It, <laughs> it, I was watching – I just flicked through uh, collecting cars as everybody does. Yep. I thought, Jesus Christ, that looks beautiful. And and the price it had on it was really cheap, Yeah. yeah. So I put a, a figure on it and forgot all about it. Yeah. Then I got an email saying I had to pay this money. <laughs> so I ended up with a Formula Ford, yeah. And it's come with a lot of history and that, and, and we really like it. I took it out for the first time, and it's amazing how fast you can go around corners in those things, you know. Well, you've got to carry a lot of speed. Correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So talking about speed, you've got the speed shop, you know, you're known for, you know, the O O twenty three. Yeah, Speed 0023. Yeah, yeah, Speed 0023. That's your Instagram. But I actually yeah. want to know about your number, 23. Well, I used to have, on the NASCAR, I had 05 and 5 in the Speedway days. Yep. And obviously, to have 05 on a circuit racing car now, it's really not kosher with the, the passing yeah. of Brock. Yeah. Yep. So we just went with 2 and 3. So 2 and 3 equals 5, so that done us there. But since after that, we worked out that 23 was the first number of the Porsche that won Le Mans. My shop is 23 George Street, and if you spell out 23 George Street, it's 23 numbers. So that there's so <laughs> many things that I ca- uh, um, calculate to it, yeah. but it's just all coincidence, I suppose. Cool. Um, I want to know a bit about like your, your family. I've been to the track many times with you. You know, Jeff's, 
you've welcomed me yourself, but you know, Jeff's like, go over to Ron, go see his truck and go see your family. You guys make the most magnificent lunch, um, apart from my girlfriend's family, uh, that, that makes me welcome at the track. At the so, track, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, at the track. Yeah, we put on a big lunch whenever we're down, down at the track. All my guys on the team are more or less like family. They're all just all mates. Yep. We just have a great time. And it's like even when we go overseas, we take half a dozen, dozen people over there and the Americans can't believe how many people we take over there. <laughs> But yeah, no, it's a good, good bunch of blokes. You know. yeah, I got, I actually got told that you were actually pretty media shy. Is that correct? I got told by, by my old man that you're That's a hundred percent. That's a hundred percent true. Yeah. 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 So yeah. how are you feeling this interview and past interviews? When was the, when was the point? Yeah. Where was the point for you though, where you were like, you know what, screw it, I'll just go on a on a radio show or, or whatever. And when was the time that it broke for you? Like, you, you it know, still hasn't. Still hasn't. No, okay. I, I, I think the best thing you can do is life is to approach your fears and conquer them. Yep. I've watched Jeff get up and talk to people and I take my hat off to him the way that he can hold himself and conduct himself when he talks to people. I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can I can sit in the back working on the car and talk to you with my head inside the car about anything, but to actually stand up in front of people, I just can't do it properly. You know? Yeah, I've been on the shows in the US, I've been different stuff in that, but still, it's just a matter of conquering your fears, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Are, you, are you finding this podcast good so far? Oh, it's fantastic, but my hands are sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it is a rainy, muggy day. But um, yeah, you've spoken a lot about your career and your, your body shop. But in terms of things you want to do in the future with the shop, is there anything that you want to do with your career? Is there anything that you want to finish off with your career? Finish off so you oh. know I'm getting older. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's nicely put. That's a nice. Oh, is, yeah. there anything, is there anything? Is there anything that you want to add to your like resume? Is what I'm trying to say in a nice way. Yeah, sure. December 2022, <laughs> Ron. I'm going to die. You know. <laughs> Hopefully, no COVID here. <laughs> no, I, I've most things that I want to do, or if if I have an inclination of wanting to do something, I make it happen. Yeah. So I don't look for anything in the future. Yep. I like my shop to be at the pointy end of shops, which mm. yeah, we're pretty regimented the way that we look after the, the guys, make sure the cars are right and everything's right. Just recently, we broke the lap record at Bathurst in my 54. We took 33 seconds off the lap record. Jesus. For class, that yeah. is, for oh, class, which had stole for 12, 12 years. Yep. So I, my next goal is to do a lot more racing in Australia mm-hmm. and try and get the lap records in all the, the different places. Yeah. For class, so oh, cool. that's sort of a goal that so we're... So you hunting down the Formula Ford lap record too? I don't know about that, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if I could actually drive the Formula Ford aggressively because my feet are too big for the pedals. Okay. They get stuck. Um, and I think that it's a... Somebody that's it's done a lot of time in a Formula Ford would be able to race them aggressively. Like myself. Yeah, but somebody <laughs> to come in outside... Mm. The realm I don't think would do very good. Yeah, okay. uh, I, I think that I'd either create somebody else a problem, yep. damage-wise, or I'd cre- create myself a large problem, <laughs> damage-wise. <laughs> so the car that I want to know about for you, Ron, is the 356. You've done a lot of development on it and a lot of money and a lot, a lot of stuff's been spent on it, blood, sweat and tears. Can you go on about that car and, you know, you've, I've seen that car in the Group S racing. Can you talk a bit more about it? Oh, you're talking the 54 or the Aero car? The Aero car. The Aero car, yeah. That's, um, we've built that one from scratch. We've done a whole TV television program with that one. Yep. Um, and we've done the first time in the world, all Australian built, three-cylinder aeroplane engine in the back. It's a radial engine, uh, nitrous oxide injected, 200 horsepower without the nitrous. So 
it's going to be a little weapon, but we, we've put so much development into that. Still retaining the complete DNA of the Porsche. Mm-hmm. We've made so many changes. We've, we've lowered the wheel arches by half an inch. We've rolled the sill panels. We've lowered the whole car by half an inch, so body-wise, and then we've lowered the suspension on it, centre-lock wheels on it. Everything's aluminium, aluminium floors, everything. The roll cage is integrated through the body. Perspex windows, you name it, we've done it to this car. I, I remember hearing a video too. There was, I think it was a special metal you use in some of your cars to make it lighter and it, it just rolls across, the, like, like the wind could blow. Is that in that car or is yeah, it in Inconel. A, okay, Inconel, that's yeah. it. Inconel. Yeah, Inconel. I actually want to know a bit more about that metal because, you know. You we don't want too many people to know about yeah, it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, no, Inconel is one of the lightest, strongest metals. Yep. And we had a special exhaust system made for this car and we had it 3D printed mm-hmm. in New Zealand. Uh, only because we wanted to get the 906 type exhaust on it, but we needed three of them, and we couldn't weld them together. So we thought, mm, let's find a place that'll print it out of Inconel. So we done it. What about your other car? The not, I think the 956, the other small one. Three five six. Three five eight. Three five. Yeah, the the second one. You got two, or you know, you've got a fit. You, you're a big fan of that car. Yeah. So what can you explain the other version of that car? Yeah, the other one's a pre A. That's the 1954 one. Mm-hmm. That's the one we race at Group S. Yep. That's the one that we want to get lap records all around with. And the other one is the 356 Roadster, which is a B. That's the one that I tore up in Indianapolis, and we had to bring it back over here. We're going to fix it, send it back to Indianapolis, but it, we just decided to keep it here. Is there any tracks in the world that you'd love to race on or have currently raced on that you want to go back to after COVID? We want to do Le Mans. Mm-hmm. We want to do the 24-hour Le Mans. I love Watkins Glen. That's where... Uh, Jeff went out there with us, and I can tell you some stories off air about Jeff at um, <laughs> at Watkins Glen. If I had to choose one to go back to, it would probably be Watkins Glen. I, I like that. Uh, then again, maybe Road Atlanta. That's good. Yeah, let's leave it at those two. Yeah. Okay, Watkins Glen and Road Atlanta. Yeah, are you a big fan of Bathurst or not really? I've only done one or probably eight laps all up up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, really liked it, but I was getting lost. Mm-hmm. I, I needed track time in there. Yeah. Um, I, I went up there, we followed Luffy around, he, he showed me a little bit. But we need someone like Jeff, you know, who knows it like the back of his hand, yep. so I could tag on the back of him and do a few laps. You know? Yeah. So, Ron, um, yeah, apparently you've also broken your foot. Can you go on a bit about that? That was I've seen a disgusting photo of that. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've broken a few body parts, but what happened with the foot about um, four weeks before we were leaving for Monterey, I was putting a ladder, I was up a ladder putting a picture up and I leant over a bit and I thought, that's a big angle and as I felt that, boom, down I went. I went to stand up and my left foot was pointing straight, my right foot was pointing to my left foot and the bone was sticking out a bit and I thought, mm, that's not good. So we called the ambulance and they took me in and they put it back in overnight and then plastered me up the next day and I said, no, I'm leaving for America in a couple of weeks. And the doctor said, no, you won't be going to America. I said, no, 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 no. I'm not asking. I'm telling you I'm leaving for America in a couple of weeks. So after a bit of toing and froing, we waited the two weeks and um, I was running around on one of those scooters that you put your knees on mm-hmm. at work. Yeah. And then they, um, I got them to cut the plaster off. Mm-hmm. They said I had to wear a boot. So I put the boot on, but then we went back to work and I actually um, – made up a swivel hinge section, two of them, that we could tape to my ankle so I could still move my ankle up and down because I thought if I'm coming into the end of the back straight to go down the corkscrew and I heel and toe too hard, mm. the the ankle breaks again yep. with no plaster on it. And I thought, I'm not going to know if I'm breaking or if I'm accelerating until I hit the wall. So we put these stirrups on there and 
we went to Monterey or we, we landed in um, San Francisco. I took the boot off, threw it in the bin because you couldn't really walk to a racetrack with a boot on then they'd yeah. let you race, yeah. So uh, we got in the car and we ended up winning every single race that weekend. That's the time that we beat Patrick Long and yep. we won everything. So now my guys say, whatever we go racing, I've got to break my ankle. What is for us? So you're talking about the road to Monterey. Um, I was bringing up the movie before. We've sped through quite a fair bit. Can you explain a bit how the movie came about and you know how the production and all that type of thing happened? What had happened there is that the first year we were going over there, they lost our car. They lost our container and car in New Zealand so anyway they found that we ended up putting it on a plane flying it over there for the for the race done the race and then when we come back getting ready for next year I said to Rob Shearer and I said do you want to do a little thing for YouTube just we'll reenact as if the car got lost again and everything else we said yeah that's a good idea yeah we'll just reenact the whole lot and put it on YouTube anyway I get a call one morning and I ring up Rob and I said Rob the um, car's gone missing they've lost it in New Zealand and Rob said, no, I haven't got a film crew happening or anything at the moment. I said, no, they say no shit, mate. They've lost it again. <laughs> Two years in a row, they lost our car. Holy shit. And what we found out what was happening is that we were paying for a direct route, mm-hmm. in other words, from here to there, mm. but they were what's calling bunny hopping it. So they drop it in one country, then push it off the ship onto another one. So it makes it cheaper for them, but they just took it off in New Zealand and forgot to put it back on. And no off way. With the boat. Yeah, and that happened twice. Twice. Two years running. Holy smokes. And before, obviously, you were talking about, you know, you won and you've broken your ankle and stuff. You, for many years, you were actually in Laguna Seca coming second. Correct. And you didn't like that? No, not at <laughs> all. Mate. There, there's there's some people there that really don't like you to overtake them. Yep. So it's their car is wider than this if it was going down the track sideways. And if you bump into somebody there, you just don't come back to race. You know, mm-hmm. they just don't like you to hit. Obviously, look at the expense of the cars that we're racing against. You know what I mean? Like, it'd be nothing for it to be $100 million worth of cars on the track when you're out there. So you don't want to go biffing and barging your way through that. You're going to lose a reputation pretty quick, you know? Yeah. We probably, we won a couple of races before, but not the big one. But we never, ever actually took out all the races in a day and won the big one. So yeah. we're pretty happy. I've heard also in one of your cars, Ron, you've actually got a quote from, I think, Peter Brock, you can bite off more than you can chew. Is that the, is that the quote? Or what's the yeah, quote? I've got one from Peter Brock written on there. I've also got one from, um, can't even think of their names, a couple of the Porsche top drivers. They're just having a mental blank at the moment. <laughs> um, they, they've both been, Derek Bell, sorry, Derek yep. Bell and um, Vic Elford. Yeah, okay. They both put um, quotes on my club boxes. Yeah, right. And was that, is, is it in one, it's in the one Pacific car, isn't it? Yeah, the Peter Brock one isn't. That was in one of my earlier cars because mm-hmm. uh, obviously he wasn't around when I got the, the historic car. Yep. But the Vic Elford one and that is, yeah. Yeah, okay. My cars actually, many we've got some good photos of me and Brocky when he had his BMWs. I had the Porsche next to it and there's me and him sitting there with both our feet up on the guards of opposing cars. Like he's got his foot on my car, I've got his foot in his car. So. <laughs> did you have a, like a good relationship with the guys back in the 90s, obviously with the NASCAR days? And Did the, did the Supercar boys and the NASCAR boys become mates in, in the infield, so to speak, back then? Or was it a, or was it a different circus? Different circus altogether. Different circus, but yeah, did you keep? Did you talk to each other, or like you said about Peter Brock? You know? Yeah, Brocky, but that was with different stuff. Stuff okay. I was doing with uh, Auto Color, like the paint company. Yep, that's where we got to meet him. But the back then, the two leaders in the in the V eight supercars, as they're called now, right at the time that it was faltering between the V eights and the two leaders, if the two leaders would have taken off, NASCAR would have taken off. Yeah, okay. But 
the V8s took off, which is better, you know, like, mm. but I would have rather have seen NASCAR take off in this country, you know. Like. Yeah, yeah, I would have loved it because that's, that's the route I would have wanted to go. Yeah, that's made it. There's just nothing else like it. A lot of people just say, oh, it's just a matter of going around and around in circles, but it's a lot more technical than that. Hell of a lot more technical. Yeah. What do you think about the Americans coming over? Was that was that big for you or was that, did you just think this could actually work because Bob's made it work? I think the guys that come over might have been for themselves. You know, like there was more showmanship. Mm-hmm. I think if they would have bought over their proper equipment, it would have been us doing 50 laps and 100 lap race. Okay. Yeah, you know, like that's how much advanced they are. These guys race, you've got to remember, these guys race seven days a week. They go to different tracks. Whereas here in Australia, like we race seven times a year. Yeah. Did you talk to any of the boys over there when you were there? Like, did you talk to, any, like, to, to Michael Waltrip or anyone like that? Or no, I didn't talk to Waltrip. I actually stayed at uh, Richard Petty's place. Yep. I went over there and um, I'd done a few NASCAR days over there. I remember at Charlotte we took – it was raining so we couldn't go out in the NASCARs. Uh, Rodney Coombs, Barry Graham back then and myself, we went out in hire cars mm-hmm. on um, Charlotte Motor Speedway. Yep. And Rodney Coombs went past us both in a big jewelry in the rain as if we were standing still. <laughs> it's like I'll never forget that that view of this big jewelry coming up in the mirror and then just going past and it, woof, 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 as it went past. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> what do you um, what do you think of the Petty family? They're a pretty laid back family. Was it was it pretty high tech back then for you to go see their Absolutely. their stuff? Absolutely. And mate, the place was unbelievable. And they were telling us that um, when they had a special picnic for Richard Petty, mm-hmm. they had to, you know, their eight-lane highways, mm-hmm. they had to have seven lanes going in in the morning for the people mm-hmm. and seven lanes coming out in the afternoon. That's how many people went to his picnic. Holy smokes. They had to helicopter him in. And when you go to these race teams in America, it's like they have the cars loaded to go to, say, Arlington. The trucks leave, the promotional trucks leave, the merchandise trucks leave. While they leave, they load another complete same setup and might send it to Daytona, then the drivers go from one track to the next track. <laughs> it's just made a, the, the money of it. I remember we were at um, Pocono with Jeff Gordon. Mm-hmm. And this was back when he was sponsored by the Outback Steakhouse. Yeah, okay. And he Before had the beer. DuPont days. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That, okay. This was Bush Grand National days. Mm-hmm. Um, he had the kangaroo and that on the bonnet and everyone would say to me, oh, do you know that place, Ron? I'd never heard of it. <laughs> never heard of it. <laughs> Not many Aussies even yeah. know about it now. Yeah. I mean, they do, but they don't. <laughs> They've never heard of it. <laughs> But, like, um, that was how far back I was going over there, you know. Yeah, right. Were you around when um, Adam Petty passed away with, with the Petty family? or did No, you, I wasn't. You no, won't? Okay. No, no, no not okay. at all. Is there any other memories that you remember from any of the other shops in, in America? Like, you know, any of the tracks? Yeah, or any well, other? I spent a lot of time at a, a place called Specialty Motorsports. Mm-hmm. They used to build a lot of the NASCARs, and Doug was the guy's name that owned it. Mm-hmm. There was another time when I was younger, I wished that I would have lived over there to learn so much with the NASCARs. Mm-hmm. But we mainly went over there. I think we spent, I think it would have, at the time, it probably was two and a half, three months over there. Uh, and that was to, on and off, that was to learn all about the NASCARs, you know, learn mm-hmm. as, take on as much information as we possibly could. And you, know, you, you, you get into a um, brain overload, you just learn this, learn this, learn this. But unfortunately, by the end of the day, half the stuff you've learned has fallen out of your brain, you know, like, yeah. you've got to make room for other stuff. But mate, those guys just know so much about those cars. You know? yeah. yeah, it's crazy, it's crazy. So obviously you said, you know, when NASCAR went bust here, you, you were big into the Porsches. When, did, when was like your, when was the tip of the iceberg for the Porsche? Like for you, when when obviously when NASCAR fell over, did you go screw it? I'm just going to race a Porsche now, or did you just buy a Porsche and then go from there? No, I'd always always had Porsches, mm-hmm. always had them. 
But when NASCAR fell over, we sort of took a hiatus probably for 12 months, 18 months. And then I was actually looking online again and uh, over in America they had a 356 for sale, which was the next race car. So we bought that and then me and my mate uh, Marino went for a fly over there to have a look at it before we shipped it back. And we sort of thought to each other, oh, what the fuck have I done here? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so anyway, we bought this car and... So I brought it back to Australia and we completely rebuilt it. Yep. And then we just started doing some regularity with that one. And it was like, I was like a drug addict. I was bitten. That's it. You know, like, then from that one, I bought another one and bought another one and bought another one. Nothing wrong with that. No. (laughs) But we just wanted to to get the ultimate 356. And now we have because, as I said, it's the fastest Porsche 356 to ever lap Bathurst. Yeah. Yeah, It's awesome. Yeah. And we've won races all around the world in it. So it's really good. A weird question here. Why is exclusive bodywork spelt with an E? Is there the any way that the Germans do it. Oh, okay. Works. All right, well, that's, that's my knowledge of that. So. Yeah. <laughs> You're Australian, you don't need to. Yeah, it, that was really good um, promotional when I first done it, I suppose, but it actually creates a lot of problems because people don't spell it right. Now, we sent that email, yeah, did you spell it W-E-R-K? Oh, no, thank you, yeah, because yeah. they spell it works. Yeah, and obviously you're close, to next, close ties with Porsche. You've actually, the grey on your Porsches that are in your shop and stuff like on specifically on your car, is the, it's actually the Goodman grey, Correct, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. That's, so go on to that and how did that come about with Porsche? Well, we done it in Goodman grey and then um, everybody's loving it, obviously. And we ordered the new GT3 RS and we submitted to them to do it in my colour, Goodman Grey. They come back, not a problem. So it's getting done. So I'll have, when I'm dead and gone, there'll be a GT3 RS running around in Goodman Grey and it'll be stamped <laughs> from the factory. Yeah, like. yeah, that's awesome. I also want to know about um, Jeff's showing me, my stepfather. But you guys, there's a bunch of you boy, boys together who race together. You know, David Withers, Peter Boylan, Jeff and yourself, you've all got the kangaroo. How did that come about and what was the, what was the emphasis behind that? Obviously going to America. Yeah, that the, we're all Australians that so were coming over there. Um, we put that kangaroo on our car maybe 15 years ago and then everyone just starts to use it now. Like mm. everyone uses the same thing. Like I didn't come up with the idea, obviously. Yeah, like mm. I think the Aussie Challenger on that um, salt plane thing originally had it and so everyone uses it, just sticks to the kangaroo and we love it. Everyone loves it over there too. When you go racing with the, with the Group S guys, obviously Jeff, my stepfather and David Withers and Peter Ballin have raced back in the day, Carrera Cup and whatnot. What was your involvement with them and even do you help with their Carrera Cup cars now, you know, as their gentlemen races these days? We fix them up if they have minor incidences and that sort of stuff, which they don't. You know, they're pretty pretty good steerers. We try not to let them know too much because we compete against them now, you know. Yeah. Like, even though I'm in a um, lower bracket than they are, but we we get up there and nip at their heels sometimes, you yeah. know. Is there, any, is there any tips if I do race my stepfather how I could beat him just while we're on the podcast? Don't let him past. <laughs> All right. Once he's passed, <laughs> you're never going to catch him, mate. Never. <laughs> We, we were at Watkins Glen and um, he kept saying to me, coming onto the main straight, it's a flat out right hand corner. And he said to me, you're pulling away from the, you know, can you give me a tip? And I said, well, just don't let off, you know, keep your foot flat. Anyway, a couple of sessions later, I'm watching in the mirror as he's coming up behind me and he's just drifting out, he's drifting out and he missed the wall by, uh, I reckon, it would have been a cigarette paper 
Yeah, right. Anyway, when we come in, I said to him, I said, man, that was close. He said, you said not to lift. I said, yeah, but <laughs> if the car's sliding to the wall, lift the <laughs> But he kept his foot into it, mate. Yeah, to right. his credit, he done good. Yeah, so. right. That's where I get it from, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's great. What about what about David Withers? David Withers is a huge fan of yours, and he is massively into the classic cars. Um, how many cars have you worked on for him? And, you know, can you go on a bit about, you know, some of your special customers that I know? Mate, Dave Withers would be one of the real gentlemen. You know, he, he's he's an amazing person. Fastidious in what he wants to do with his cars. He knows what he wants and he, he sticks to what he wants. Uh, he's uh, a stickler for the rules. So literally if that car comes out with that badge in that colour, he wants it back on there that way. He's restored a lot of cars. I'd hate to even think of how many cars I've restored for Dave. It'd be in the couple of dozens you know and he done a really pristine uh, restoration years ago on a 73 rs mm-hmm. uh, that ended up getting purchased and taken overseas so that's how good it was on that he's very knowledgeable on his porsches and if he doesn't know it he finds out you know yeah he rings my stepfather about formula one does he give you does he ring you up about motorsport at all he just sticks to the car because he knows I don't like talking on the phone, so <laughs> I really don't give a damn about Formula One. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you give a damn about this podcast. That's good. Oh, play, mate. <laughs> but it's um, been bloody awesome having you on this podcast, Ron. And I uh, appreciate all the stories you've told me, and hopefully these listeners learn a lot. And um, if anyone out there in in podcast land needs their cars panel beated, specifically a Porsche or an Aston Martin or a Tesla, they've got to go to Ron Goodman. Ron, I'm I'm. Very appreciate that you came on this podcast. No, mate, I'm humbled to be um, even chosen to come on your show. You know what I mean? Like, why you'd want to listen to some of the stories from an old fella for, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I've had a, ma- a massive fascination with NASCAR, and I-, I do love Porsches, and yeah, it's been great to have you on. Thanks a lot, mate. Thank you. Thanks for listening to my podcast. You can find links to extra content and our social media in the show notes. See you next time.